podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hola, amigos. This is Ray Hudson from Being Sports and Sirius XMFC, and you are listening to Barça Talk. Today on Barça Talk, we preview La Liga's restart fixtures between the top of the table. We discuss transfer rumors, and Alejandro is put on trivia blast as he races to name some iconic starting 11s in our club's history. Hello, and as the great Ray Hudson says, you are listening to Barca Talk, the podcast for FC Barcelona fans. I am your host in Seattle, Washington, Cole Ridley. I am joined by Alejandro Villegas in Miami. Brother, how are you? I'm good, man. Happy to talk about soccer, as always. Yes, right. That's that's the only thing that's getting me through is the fact that there is football around the corner. That That is just about all I got look forward to. How about you? Well, I have other sports to look towards to, right? Like the NBA announced the, uh, the beginning of the whatever they're going to do at the end of July, and that's good. Baseball is doing something crazy. But mm-hmm. soccer, it was the same sport, uh, the first sport to come uh, come back from whatever is happening over there in Europe. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to, uh, to watch some soccer, some good soccer mm-hmm. because I, I don't really like the Bundesliga that much. <laughs> I, I, have, I have to be honest with you, and yeah, and yeah, I'm ready for La Liga. I'm ready for Barca. I, I'll agree with you. The Bundesliga is a little bit different. I, it's not a little bit. It's a lot of bit different. I think the game's a lot slower and it, it's a lot more physical. And we just I'm just ready like for more. Teams. That's what it. I mean, we don't that too. Teams. Yeah. Like I was watching the, on, on Friday, they were playing like Freiburg against I don't know who, and I was like, I'm not watching this. <laughs> it's just not happening. <laughs> I rather yeah. do something else. But I mean, that's we're spoiled, me. right? When we yeah, watch yeah. Barcelona, you know, week in, week out. Well. Maybe for two and a half years we were very spoiled, but we won't dive into that. We <laughs> dove into that a couple weeks ago. Let's jump right into it, Alejandro. We have football on the horizon, as we said last weekend, that La Liga is returning. We have a, um, looks like an even more concrete date of June 11th, right? The initial uh, date was the 8th. Now we have the 11th. Yeah. And the first thing I kind of want to go th- through with you is um, – the remaining fixtures for both FC Barcelona and maybe the schedule that we need to be m- more paying attention to than our own is Madrid's because it's, it's tied at the top of the table. It's two points. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of looking through the line, I'll, I'll briefly run through these pretty quickly and without boring you all too quickly. Um, Barca, when they return to play, they will travel to Mallorca and then they will have um, – in chronological order, alternating between home and away, Leganes, Sevilla, Athletic Club, Celta, Atletico Madrid, Villarreal, Espanyol, Real Valladolid, Osasuna, and Deportivo Alaves. What jumps off on our page in your eyes? Well, I think it has to be that Sevilla game away, right? Like the Sanchez Piz one has been a very difficult place for, for Barca. Every time Sevilla comes mm-hmm. to Camp Nou, we are sure that we're going to win, right? And the Messi's going to score <laughs> two or three times. But yeah, every time yep. we go over there, it's it's a different... I don't know why it's, it changes so much, right? But mm-hmm. it's just a whole different uh, atmosphere there. And then, athletic, I mean, it's it's back-to-back. It's Sevilla, and probably three days after that, it's going to be Athletic Club, 
who's the team that's mm -hmm. always bothering us at, at some point, and that's the team that kicked Barcelona out of the uh, Copa del Rey this year. So that's mm -hmm. another important game. Then you have Celta, and that's that's a difficult game because Celta is fighting for the relegation right now, and so that those those type of teams, especially away, are complicated. So these four games, because then we have Atletico, I think that's that's going to be the hard part for Barca if they can get through that part of the. A schedule, I think the La Liga is won because that's mm. Sevilla away. Then you have Athletic Club going uh, at Camp Nou. That I mean, that should be a win, but it's a it's a complicated game. Celta, like mm -hmm. I told you, it's a hard atmosphere, hard uh, team fighting for the relegation, and then Atletico at home, who it's always mm -hmm. uh, a very complicated rival to face. So that those would be, and maybe Villarreal away would be the the last the last game that you should fear. But after that, Espanol. I mean, that's a that's a derby, but it's at home, so it's mm -hmm. very winnable. And Valladolid, Osasuna, and Alaves should be should be wins. So, I think that middle part of the remaining of the schedule should be the the main concern for Barca. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. know what what do you think about it. Which which uh, rival, which rivals do you fear? I I would agree with you. That's it, and it's not just the fact that. It's the rivals or those opponents that we have to face, but it's the succession, right? We're going to play Sevilla, Athletic Bilbao, uh, excuse me, Athletic Club, uh, Celta, and Atletico. Even throw in Villarreal in there. That's yeah. all within three days apart. And the interesting thing is I was thinking about this earlier when I looked at the, the, the schedule and how it's going to resume is Barcelona playing on the road. All bets are off. I, I am not comfortable betting on yeah. any matches, right? We drop points at Granada. We drop points at Osasuna. It, yeah. It's in, in recent years, playing on the road has been very, very difficult for Barcelona. And the other thing I thought of is, well, right, we look at Athletic Club at home, right? Mm -hmm. We look at Atletico Madrid at home. But is it really home? We're not going to have the roar <laughs> of... 80,000 plus – I'm going off of La Liga averages. I know it can hold 100, but yeah. 80,000 plus um, coulés in the crowd cheering on the Blaugrana. I think it's a different element. I'm kind of nervous to see how they play because those are two very physical playing teams. Yeah. And I think that that would vi like very much so disrupt – Barca's rhythm, even if they're playing in their own backyard, it, you know, it's it's not really like their own backyard. And so that can play in both ways. You know, we can look at ah, maybe going on the road isn't that difficult anymore, yeah, but should, maybe playing at home yeah. isn't that easy. You know, it, it's it's I would have to agree with you. It has to be that stretch. Right. It, and I would agree if we can get throw the, through those, maybe we drop two points, maybe we drop four. I would have to say the league is ours because we're now we're going to look at uh, Real Madrid's remaining fixtures. Um, they will start with Ibar at home. They will play Valencia at home, and then now alternating from away to home uh, in chronological order, they will travel to Real Sociedad. They'll play Mallorca, Espanol, Hetafe, Athletic Club away, Deportivo Alaves at home, Granada away, Villarreal at home, and Leganes away. So Barcelona and Real Madrid will play. As soon as the third round of fixtures resume, they will be always home and away. So if Barca's home, 
Real Madrid will be at home. If uh, Barca's away, Real Madrid will be away. So that'll kind of give you a better feel for what exactly is going on with the league table at the time. So on Madrid's schedule, where do you see them dropping points? Well, I think that visit or those two visits that they have to the Basque country are going to be key for them. Mm-hmm. So that who mm-hmm. kicked them out of the Copa del Rey and they've been fighting for the Champions League this year. And they're in mm-hmm. Champions League positions right now. So that should be a, a very hard game. And then the Athletic Club should be the other one that should be worrying some Madrid fans. But watching the entire the, or the rest of the schedule, I think Real Madrid has a little bit of an advantage there, right? Like they faced they faced Sevilla already, so they don't have to yep. face them anymore. They faced Atletico twice also, so they, 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 they have those two out of the out of the equation already. Those are two very complicated uh, rivals for Real Madrid. So now I would say, I mean, maybe Valencia at home, even though mm-hmm. it's, I don't remember the last time Valencia got points at Bernabeu. I know in Vestalla, <laughs> they, they've been so some difficult games. And, and I remember this year, yeah. uh, do you remember Courtois going over in the last minute and, and heading the ball? Yep. And Benzema scored the tying goal. So of course. maybe, maybe yeah. Valencia and Sociedad, Back to back could mm-hmm. be the the hard spot for them, mm-hmm. but after that it's just Bilbao. After that, I mean it's it's Mallorca. Yeah. It's not a not a very complicated team. Espanol maybe because they're fighting relegation. Getafe Getafe could be a, a good one because they they've been a mm-hmm. a very good team, even though it's gonna be at, at Bernabeu. We know like as we can do this this parallel between Barca playing at home and Barca playing at Real Madrid, and Real Madrid is so. <laughs> It's I don't know why they've been losing so much at Santiago Bernabeu, right? It's mm-hmm. it's like if you remember the last couple of years and they've lost so much and even to to small teams. I remember yeah. and and it's I remember them getting kicked out like by Leganes at at Camp Leganes. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say that. Yep. So so it's I mean maybe that's a that's a game for them because it's going to be Getafe and then Bilbao. So it's 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 mm-hmm. those two combinations, Valencia and Sociedad and then Getafe and Bilbao could be the the key for Real Madrid. So if yeah. they whoever's I think watching both schedules, whoever's ahead by the 34th uh, round, I think it's going to get the league get la liga yeah so. i would agree with you i think valencia is definitely one to keep your keep our eyes on and sociedad those back-to-back three or four days apart um and i would agree with hitafe because it's a much more physical team and and i think that just like you three days into this or excuse me three rounds into this restart is really going to set a tone right if, yeah. if you can start strong and get back to form immediately i think both sides have a tougher schedule in the beginning of this restart rather than toward the end that you know madrid will have hitafe but it will be at home and they'll travel to athletic but if the table is kind of looking a lot different than how it does today by that time it won't be as crucial points you know it, I think that anything can really happen if this is neck and neck after Barcelona play three matches and after Real Madrid play three matches. So, yeah, everyone, I, I'm hold pretty on sure. For the I'm pretty sure both teams are gonna just lose a couple of games, tie some yep. other couple of games. It's it's gonna yep. be, it's gonna stay the same. Like with, both teams have not played a very, uh, I don't know. They they've had some good moments, but they've not been like the the same level. Of, all the time, so it's. I, I'm mm-hmm. proud. I'm sure it's that's going to happen. They're they're going to lose so many points. It's going to be a close race. I'm sure of that. Yeah, absolutely. And the the other thing is, when, if you want to weigh out the teams themselves, right? Barcelona is a much thinner squad right now. Yeah. We're a lot older compared to Madrid. They have incredible depth and 
you know, a lot of young talent through the pipeline. So this is a good opportunity for them to shine. Um, that would also worry me if we're going to be playing matches back to back in three days for just over a month and a half. That that worries me a lot because Madrid can put strong sides out continuously. Messi will have to sit out these matches. You know, we we rely so heavily on him in the last three seasons. I can't mm-hmm. see him playing five in a row. He he will certainly come off the bench, but it's and that, and you know we can say what we want about Messi coming off the bench, the best substitute in La Liga history, but it's not that simple anymore because we yeah. don't really know what to expect. Matches could be won in the opening 15. They could be won in the opening 30. There would really be no chance for a second half turnaround. It's hard because, I mean, you have two games to get like get in shape before you face this hard schedule, Sevilla, Bilbao, and Vigo, and, and Atletico. So I don't know if, I mean, which, which of these games can you uh, get Messi to sit down to, to try and rest it's I mean it's it's gonna be hard yeah absolutely I I, I would agree with that because he's probably gonna want to come out of the gate playing yeah, the first you know he wants to or, play all the time he wants to play every match yeah absolutely yeah. well we'll let you guys go ahead and dissect that as well we encourage you guys to check that out before we move on uh, to the rest of the topics we have two notes to talk about Alejandro I want to ask you what your reaction to former Barca president Joan Gaspart said about La Liga, he came out this last week and said that if Real Madrid were top of the table during this big hiatus from football, he believes that La Liga would have been canceled and they would have awarded the trophy, excuse me, the title to Real Madrid instead of forcing a restart. So very similar to the French, uh, the French League. What do you think about those comments? I, I don't agree with it. I think both, not not just Barcelona or Real Madrid, the, the 20 teams of that, that are part of La Liga, they need to play, they continue playing because they need the money, right? This is this is all about business. If it was just because of the sports side, they would just cancel the La Liga and that's it. This is a business. We have to remember that. And that's why they, they, they're pushing it to try to play La Liga and then trying to play the Champions League. It's all about the money. So... It's I I don't agree with with Joan Gaspard and I think that's just that's just more of that Catalonia against Madrid rivalry that it's it has a, mm-hmm. a lot more to it's not just sports right we know about the entire history and it's 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 something else besides sports so it's just I think it's, he's just trying to get some I don't know some popularity in some some ways mm. we, you have to remember next year we have elections and we have names thrown around who's going to come back who's going to try to be a president so this is just part of that little political campaign that's going on in my opinion because I don't mm. I don't think I mean that it changes the the very last game before all this happened and because Real Madrid was uh, top of the table after winning El Clasico, right? So I don't mm-hmm. think it would have changed the way that they've handled this. It's just a business and they want to get back because of the money. That's it. Well, the great Christian Teo knocked them off the table just before the hiatus of football and we're always eternally grateful for that. Yeah, um, just a bit of shade thrown their way. Well, I think that you have a point that he might just be trying to gain popularity. Who knows if he's going to also try and make yeah. a second coming, right? We know that Sandro Rosell has officially mm-hmm. put his name into the hat for becoming um, Barca president again. But I think that it, you know, there's some truth to it. That there is, I'm a firm believer in that. I've seen graphics that analyze um, stoppage time, you know, uh, in Madrid matches versus Barcelona. Barcelona was always 
just under the allocated stoppage time. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you couldn't guess, Madrid were always over. And that's just a little interesting to me. You know, yeah. if you take a, if you take a large sample pool, it, it, it has to be suspicious. If you see. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Maybe Madrid gets more of a help than Barcelona, but Barcelona gets more help than the the rest of the La Liga, right? So yeah. it's 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 funny to me sometimes when Barca fans complain about whatever Madrid's getting because Barca gets away sometimes with, with stuff. And mm-hmm. that's just the reality of things. And it, it, it happens. Is, yeah. it's, it's just the way it is. But uh, no, nah, it's yeah. fine. I mean, I think we all, everybody wanted just La Liga to continue, right? We, we Even Barca fans weren't, I don't know about you, but I wasn't happy just to, okay, Barcelona is a champion now. No, it wouldn't have been weird. Like like the PSG won the League One, that would have been weird because it was such a like a close competition at by the point that they just stopped the La Ligas that it didn't make sense just to give any any team the, the title or yeah. any team the, the the place to be in the Champions League next year for, for mm-hmm. or having still so many rounds to play. And the other thing that we can talk about and maybe put our thoughts into this. So we remind you guys that La Liga will kick off on June 11th with the end date being, I believe I saw it, July 19th. Yeah. So now Javier Tabas uh, has come out and said that next season, so the 2021, or excuse me, 2020, uh, 2021 season will start on September 12th. So that is a turnaround of less than two months. Uh, in my personal opinion, I think that is plenty of time to kick around and redeem your physical rest. Um, we're used to summers being three and a half to four months long, depending on your international duty. Yeah. That seems like more than enough time. Do you think we're going to be starting the season you know, just slightly later than normal? Yeah, and, it, and it's normal because they're counting these days like they're days off, right? Like they're not playing; they're just resting at home. I mean, they've always um, they've been training and all that, but they're not, they're not playing at the same level that they they would be if the normal mm-hmm. season was going on. So I think they're just counting this two or three months like time off, and that that's it. I mean, for those that are playing the Champions League, it's gonna be a shorter. Uh, rest, of course. If you if you get to play in the in the final, it's gonna be late August, so that's gonna give you almost no time to rest, right? <laughs> so, but if you're not, if you're playing, if you're just playing La Liga, that would be mm-hmm. that would give you a lot of time to rest, and that's that's gonna be interesting because if I don't know if Real Madrid and Barcelona play the Champions League final, are they gonna start the the La Liga just a couple of weeks right after that? I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's I, that. That's. I mean, it's hard for them to just not give them like not even like a month to to rest, mm-hmm. like, right? And I yeah. don't. Know, I don't know if they're gonna do that. Maybe maybe Barcelona and Real Madrid are out in in the next round, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't have to to even to even think about it. Well, Atletico is, is there too. So, but I don't see it, or it wouldn't be a good thing if they're just finishing the Champions League and then they have to play the La Liga just two or three weeks right after that. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be t- tough to say because who knows how the Champions League competition is going to resume, right? We keep seeing yeah. these dates of late August, but nothing is as concrete as this La Liga restart and all the other dates that we throw it around about the Premier League and Serie A are all, all restarting in very similar timeline, all within a week of each other um, or maybe a little bit more. So all we can 
say for sure Alejandro is football is just around the corner we just have to just have to stay positive that this is going to be able to carry out and we're going to exercise all those procedures correctly and we're going to execute as as efficiently as the Bundesliga and we'll be back it'll feel weird but you know what I I do anything to see a ball be kicked in Spain right now I I think that that's going to be it's going to mean a lot not just to us but it's going to mean you know, mountains to the people in Catalonia, the people in Spain to see football back. It's part of the culture and a morale boost, right? Yeah. Do you remember the 2007-08 FC Barcelona season? This season didn't yield any trophies, but there was plenty to talk about. The last season for Ronaldinho and Deco, who at one time were attacking powerhouses for Barcelona the rise of Messi, Boyan, and Dos Santos, and the addition of Thierry Henry. Why didn't Frank Reichardt get more out of his team in the final season? Listen to our three-part oral history of this chaotic season that ultimately brought Pep Guardiola and consistent winning football to the Camp Nou. The first episode of the series will be out June 12th. Before we move on to transfer news, um, we have to make a note that there have been more cuts at the club the club has announced that the scouting department will be cut by 50%, meaning a lot of scouts across the globe will be out of contract with the club. They could perhaps continue working for the club in, in freelance work or, you know, dare I say, go to other clubs. You know, I, I would assume that FC Barcelona has one of the most prestigious, uh, you know, has to be top five scouting networks in the world, right, with the, the magnitude of that club is and the status that it holds I'm a bit worried to see how this will affect La Masia signings. I don't mean players being promoted. I mean players around the globe who don't make that messy move and move to Catalonia, to move to Barcelona and and join La Masia you know, at a young age and get those very important years working at that academy. Yeah, I mean, it's just they're trying to get money however they can, right? So they're trying to save here and there, and that's just, it, it, I mean, it was going to happen. We knew that they, they had yeah. to make some money because they own they owed some money. So that's, the, I mean, I, it's going to be normal, and they're probably going to be back in like, I don't know, two years. Hopefully the economy just comes back, and, and especially with mm-hmm. Barcelona, it should be easier than with other clubs. And and we have the scouts back. But you're right. I mean, it's it's going to be hard for, for Barcelona to say, or to even even you said that you mentioned the the Messi case, right? It's going to mm-hmm. be hard to just go and and offer something that you could have done uh, fifteen or two or twenty years before that. Even though maybe Barcelona has more money now than he had then when when Messi was a little mm-hmm. was a little boy in Argentina. But yes, it's just it it wor- it should worry uh, Barca fans because in theory La Masia it's it's the the keystone to for for Barca, right? Mm-hmm. So even though it hasn't been in the latest years, but that's a that's a different that's a different <laughs> debate, right? That's a so summer that's, episode. Yep. Yeah, that's a different <laughs> conversation that we're having here. But yes, it should it should worry you because that's the heart of the team. That's the heart of the, of the club, and that should be the the main point for for any, anything that they're trying to do. Even though they're trying to buy, I don't know, Lautaro or Neymar or whatever. Because I'm sure with what all this money that they want to spend outside, they could pay this. Uh, scouts right 
If, I mean, they're yeah, it's, absolutely. It's not, it's not like they're winning a million each of them, right? Mm-mm. So no, but it's 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 what it is. I mean, you need you need to win games in order to make money too. So it's just part yeah. of the business. Yeah, I'd say that this is very counterintuitive to what we expect as Barca fans. I think that it's a lot cheaper to promote and to bring these young, uh, promising stars from all across the globe to La Masia than signing Neymar or Lataro or any of the other guys that we're going to see in our newspapers for the next year. I'm a bit sad because I, I really don't think that any of those players will make that hop over to La Masia. And that's what we wanted and that's what we kind of want to go back to in our roots and our for the club and to see these young guys being promoted and and playing these big matches right um yeah. so and, I, i'm a bit nervous yeah you have to remember that some members of the board quit because of this reason because they were not exactly. happy with the way barcelona was dealing with this special situation and maybe this mm-hmm. was part of it right maybe they were talking about uh, taking this decision or making this decision yeah and they, they said you know what we don't agree with the way they're doing things, so we're getting mm-hmm. out as soon as possible, and that's what happened. So it's it, it's what yeah. it is. We're just going to have to wait and see exactly how this all shakes up. Well, we will talk about some transfer news that is absolutely not concrete either. Um, Alejandro, let's run through these pretty fast uh, or pretty quickly. Rafinha to Arsenal. That's a new one. What do, you, what do you think about that? He'll return to the club this summer or whenever the – Current season loan, ends, yeah. yeah, and and what do you think about that? Well, it's it's been hard for Rafinha, right? All the injuries and all the the players that have been there in, in his position. But like, I mean, we we talked about this last week. I I would ha- I would rather have Rafinha coming back and Alignac coming back to to bring, uh, I don't know, Pjanic or whoever they want to bring. But I I understand that if there's an offer. And especially with the current Barcelona situation, it's going to be hard for them to say no. And and I don't know if this is real. I hope it is for the for the sake of the team, so they can get some money out of a player that they're not even using as a sub. So I mean, whatever comes from that that type of player, it's fine. It's just I don't know. I like I like having this uh, homegrown talent coming back to the team and playing for the team, right? But it's just not been the philosophy for the, for Barca in the, in the last couple of years. So it's it's probably going to happen. Maybe it's not Arsenal, but it's it's some other team. I mean, I've heard uh, Celta wanted to buy him too because they were very happy mm-hmm. with uh, how how he was playing. But it's, it's hard to really tell what's right and what's wrong right now in the transfer news. I, I think for the sake of Rafinha's career, I, I would really like to see him move permanently and and really do the best to solidify his career because it hasn't been all that bad right he has a champions league trophy to his name um he's been vital to our squad in recent years moving on new one that's coming out and i did my best to kind of look but i didn't quite see anything tied to the lautaro deal but inter milan are now interested in Langley up front. What do you so, think about that? Well, what I think is that every week we're getting a different player, right? So we went through, <laughs> Absolutely. We went through Rakitic, we went through Arthur, we went through Semedo, then it was uh, Umtiti, I think, and now it's Langley. Vidal, they're to, yeah. They're trying to yeah. sell the entire team or offer the entire, the entire team to, <laughs> to see if they are. You know what? Here's this player so we can pay, I don't know, 60 yeah. or 50 million to... To Inter and, and then get Lautaro, but it's I don't know. I mean, I would I, like we like we said in the in the in the last episode, 
Barca mm-hmm. needs defense. That's fine. You can you can ship Lingley and and Umtiti together if you want, but you have to bring two other uh, defenders there to play along mm-hmm. with Piquet and whoever else you, you bring back to the team. So I don't know, man. I I don't I don't believe in these rumors until I see them already signed in the paper, right? Like, okay, Lenglet is going over there and we're getting Lautaro and whoever. That's fine. But mm-hmm. uh, I think Lenglet has, has been a good defender for Barca. I don't see why you would risk your defense or maybe the only the only reason it would be money, right? If they offer you 40 million, that I'm sure is not what's going on right now, you, mm-hmm. you, you're, you're probably going to have to say, okay, you can have him. But I don't know. I, I like... I, I think I'm happy with the way Lenglet has been playing. Uh, I'm, I don't have any complaints. I mean, I, I'm thinking, I think he's a very secure defender. He's a very safe player to have there. So I don't, I wouldn't like not having him in in my mm. defense. I don't know what you think. So, so let me ask you this: Are you saying that you would rather have Lenglet than Umtiti? Yeah, right now for sure. Umtiti has been injured okay. so many times. Mm-hmm. And it happened right after the World Cup, right? We, we all know that he, he played that World Cup with some things going on in his knee. And after that, he wasn't the same after he came back from, from being a, a world champion with France. And I, I know mm-hmm. he's happy with it. I mean, he's, he's a world champion. How many players can say that right now in, in the Barcelona side? Not, not many. So, but yes, right now, I think Lenglet, it's over Titi. Even if they're both mm-hmm. healthy, I think Lenglet, it's better. Yeah, well, he certainly stepped up to the role, right? We saw yes. him kind of be thrown in when Valverde was there and Mtiti was having those injury problems, and he, he's pretty great on the ball. So what more could you ask for a FC Barcelona center half, right? Moving on, we'll stick with Inter Milan. The Inter chief executive has come out and saying that Lautaro's, uh, the only way he moves to Barcelona is going to be by that 111 million euro release clause that will expire on July 15th. And in addition to that, he is not interested in hearing Barcelona paying some uh, increments of this deal. He wants it paid in full. And if it's not met by July 15th, they're they are free to continue to offer. But it's basically a no at that point because <laughs> Inter have no need to sell him, right? It, yeah. It's looking more and more likely every day that Icardi is staying in PSG and that they're not going to have... Um, too many forwards in their squad. They have no reason to sell him. We know that the player, we don't know, but we kind of have a hint that he wants to make that switch and to play with Messi in his final years and be a big figure for Barcelona during this transition. So there's no way Barca can pay that, right? No, am I no. am I crazy? <laughs> no, they're not. They're not going to pay the, that money right now. Maybe they would have mm-hmm. a, a couple of years ago. I mean, if they paid one forty mm-hmm. for Dembélé, they would have done anything for for Lautaro. But no, <laughs> the thing is, um, I think it's just the way you should negotiate. I mean, you're not going to say yes, just give me whatever you want, and you can have the player. Mm-hmm. No, that's fine. They, they, I mean, that's the price. If they want to, if Barca wants to pay, that's fine. But I'm sure they they they're going to reach an agreement. Even if it's this season or the the very next season after that, it's it's gonna come. I think Lautaro is gonna end up in, in Barcelona. It's just a matter of of when, right? Because right now with the economic crisis, it, it changes a little bit the game. It's not it's not the same situation. Yeah. It was hard before that, and now it's harder for Barca to to really offer that kind of money. So mm-hmm. and and it's it's an interesting date, right? Because that that would be the end of the La Liga, right? So Lautaro wouldn't be able to play La Liga, but would would he play in the Champions League for Barcelona? That would be weird, right? 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I, and I think FIFA hasn't been really clear about how that's going to work at the end of the season. But I, yeah. I don't see them spending 111 million on a player right now. What do you think? Well, I, I think you bring up a really good point. I think we have to analyze kind of that date because we knocked Inter Milan out of the um, knockout stages of the uh, Champions League through group play. Um, And so if they continue to go far into the Europa League, if that's something of significance to Lautaro and what he wants to bring to that club, maybe there is an agreement for the 111 million euros, but Barca let him finish the Europa League season. It'll be interesting to see because I think Barcelona are not in a position to say no. If Lartaro is saying, hey, I want to come, but let me finish this um, this title run in the Europa League with this club, you know, and, you know, I'll return after that. That could be big in in terms of injuries, because if Lautaro is finishing his season uh, at the middle to end of August and Barcelona like you said earlier, are knocked out in the next round or maybe the same round to Napoli, then Lotaro is going to have a much longer summer. And maybe we were kind of calling upon him in the early stages of the next La Liga season. Maybe the Barca board don't like that idea and are going to say to the player, hey, I, I really don't want you doing these things to risk your health. You are now ours. We, you know, we want to respect your feelings, but, you know, we would kind of encourage you to, to, Stay away from them. It, it, it's all up in the air, right? This is all unknown. We don't know what's going to happen in the next rounds of European competition and if they ever resume, really. Yeah, it's 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 the part of the soap opera, right, with Lautaro. We, yeah. we don't know. I mean, we what we know is that Barca doesn't have that money or doesn't want to spend that money in a, in a player. We also know that they've been offering some different packages with, with players to see who can fit whatever Inter needs. They even talked about being, uh, bringing more than one player from Inter to Barcelona and then shipping more players from Barca to Inter. So I don't know. They, they still have time to figure it out, right? They're going to have mm-hmm. to move or, or change the way they, they do this type of transfers. It's not going to be just money. Now it's going to be more more players. And it's... It, I, I always remember the way Coutinho got to Barcelona when nobody expected it. Like th- there were so many rumors during the, the summer. And then in December and during the winter break, they just surprised us like, hey, here's Coutinho. There you go. When when nobody was really talking about it. So maybe something mm-hmm. like this happens with the with Lautaro. Maybe they, they negotiate it in July, but they pay him in, in December. So that's when he comes back to Barcelona. So I don't know. I, mm-hmm. But but I'm what I'm sure of is that he's gonna play with Messi in Barcelona. That I'm, that I'm sure. Mm. Well, you know what? I hope that you're right. I I really do like the likes of that player, and I hope that he can join his compatriot at the Camp Nou for for some final years. But let's let's not talk about that. Let's talk about some good. And this is a new part um, for the listeners out there. You are hearing this as Alejandro is hearing this. Yeah. In the last couple, yeah, this is a new trivia thing. He hasn't seen anything, I promise. Um, so what I encourage you guys to do is kind of race Alejandro here. See if you can answer these questions before he can. Yeah, Alejandro, cool. you're gonna you're gonna pick up on the pattern here pretty quickly. Okay. But in in the last what, what is that? 14 days. So the last two weeks, we have been celebrating some anniversaries. Yes. We have been celebrating. Four in particular, five total, but we'll stick with the most recent four. Four 
Champions League title anniversaries. And what the challenge I have for you is I want you, as quickly as you can, to name the starting lineup (laughs) from the 2006 Champions League final against Arsenal. Okay, starting lineup. Ready to go. You had (laughs) as a goalkeeper, Belletti on the right back side. You have... Who, Puyol and Marquez in defense? I don't know. Correct with Puyol and Marquez. You were wrong about Belletti, though. Belletti he did not start, start that match. Okay. No. He, he did not <laughs> okay. On the left side, you had you had to have uh, Giovanni Van Brockhorst, right? And then in the in the middle, you had let me see, um, Busquets, Iniesta, and Xavi. No, you had to have somebody else. Mm-hmm. There. Deco was there mm-hmm. by the time. So it's Jekos one, Eto, and then. Who wasn't there? Uh, Julie, of course. He was, he was the one foul. <laughs> so yeah, yes, who, correct. Who did, who did I miss? I missed two. Indeed. So you missed, you missed two in midfield. You missed uh, Van Bommel, the Dutchman oh, Mark, Mark Van, Van Bommel. Bommel. You're yeah, right. You're Mark right. Van Bommel, and then you missed Brazilian Edmilson. He it's started right, that right, club, right. or excuse me, he started yeah, that yeah, match, yeah. and then Xavi and Iniesta went, yeah. were too young right then. Right? I don't know. Xavi and Iniesta were too young. Uh, Busquets wasn't anywhere in the picture, but Iniesta actually played that match. Xavi didn't, which was interesting, um, which almost led to his departure from the club. But you yeah. were – I'll give you half credit on the right back. Giuliano Belletti, as we all know, famously oh, scored. For that. Oh, the great Oleger. <laughs> <laughs> that's why – uh, okay, okay. That's fair. Yeah, that, that's a name that kind of just rolls at well, the back you know and you, you forget you, it. I told you right there that Reichardt was really scared about Thierry Henry. That's all That's all it is. Yeah, I would as he should have been. Yeah. Over Belletti right there. Well, anyway. Yeah. Well, hey, I think it worked out okay. So, yeah. Alejandro, I think that was pretty darn quick. That was about was less than two minutes uh, in, in total. So, if you haven't guessed by now, I'd like you to name the starting lineup. For, they're going to get easier, right? Because we're, we're working toward uh, yeah, our present day. In our memory, yeah. The starting lineup. Yeah, exactly. The starting lineup for the UEFA Champions League final of May 27, 2009 against Manchester United. Okay, so it was Victor Valdez as a goalie. You had Piquet, Pujol, Dani Alves in the right back. No, it wasn't Dani Alves. Mm-mm. Who was in the left back, though? Abidal? Eric Abidal? Abidal has not arrived at the club yet. Not no, quite. Hmm, no, I don't remember. Let me go with, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that one. In the midfield, it has to be Xavi, Iniesta, and Busquets. And then uh, over there, it was hmm, Eto, Messi, and who else was there? I don't remember the third guy. Let me see. I feel, I feel like this, the listeners are screaming it. <laughs> yeah. who, who was it? Was he Henry? It was Thierry Henry. Yeah. Thierry Henry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why would you? Yeah. Have- and yes. the two that you missed in the middle, you actually named the right back for that match. You named Carles Puyol, who oftentimes would play at that right back position. But you did miss Slavino and Yaya Torre. Who famously, famously backed that defense in that match, right? Yeah. Um, so, so that, so you see, we have two straight Champions League finals when we were scared to the other guys. So we put Puyol yeah. outside to try to guard Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, okay. 
Oh yeah. yeah, but I forgot. How did I forget Henry that year? I was thinking <laughs> about the two six at Bernabeu. I'm like, yes, that's the same year. So Henry was there. Correct. That yeah. was my doubt. So yes, okay, good, good, good. Yes, yes. But um, I, I was gonna say Silvino, or but Maxwell wasn't there, so Silvino was my next option. But no, I didn't remember. I don't remember off the top of my head if Maxwell was there. I believe he arrived in the summer of 2009. Um, Alejandro. I would like you to name me the starting lineup of the uh, excuse me of the May twenty eighth two thousand eleven Champions League final against Manchester United. Okay, so it was Victor Valdez again. He yeah. he won so many Champions Leagues, and that's why he did so much right. And okay, <laughs> right back, he has to be Daniel. He has to stop saying no. Say yes. <laughs> you okay. are correct. You got it. Yeah. So it was, uh, who was there? Mascherano and, and Piqué? In the, correct. In the middle because Pujol was having some issues. He came He came yeah. in later in, in that game. Yep. He then handed the, the trophy to Abidal, who was on, on the left back. Nice, and nice. And we had to have Xavi, Iniesta, and Busquets in the middle. Uh, mm-hmm. Eto, Messi, and Villa, who scored a very beautiful game. Not via. You're missing our our opening goal scorer of the match. Oh, Pedro, right, Pedrito. Pedro, yeah, Pedrito. Eto, I'm so. You said Eto. I'm so wrong. Yes, you're right. It was Messi, Villa, and Pedro, and the, and the three of them scored the goals. So yeah, you're right. Exactly, and what goals they were, right? And we're gonna revisit all these, but before we do that, I'd like you to name the 2015 Champions League final against Juventus. Okay, so this time it starts taking enough with the <laughs> Valdez era. Yeah. So we had the, the first time Ter Stegen won a Champions League because he's going to win it this year. And then we have Danny Alves in the right back, and that's the season we lost him, and I'm very mad because of it. And then we had Piqué in the middle with who? Who was there? Let me see. I don't remember <laughs> who was there with, with Piqué. It wasn't Puyol, right? He was a, it was not Puyol. Puyol was gone, and and Alves played one more season after this. Okay, just just to make the table. But you're overthinking it. You had it last same same back Mascherano, line almost right? as last match. Masterano, yep. Masterano, and then on the left side, who was on the left side in that team? Jordi Alba had to be the squirrel. Yeah, the squirrel. Time for Jordi Alba to come back to life. Yeah. <laughs> Jordi Alba on the left side, very quick. Jordi Alba, maybe the mm-hmm. version of him. So we had yeah. Iniesta, Rakitic, and Busquets, right? Because Xavi was correct. Xavi was mad that he was on the bench, but I'm. I think that was the best starting eleven anyway. I would agree. And yeah. then we had Neymar, Suarez, and Messi. That was great. Great times. Yep. Great times. Correct. So in total, I think you only missed about you missed less than ten out of you know forty four. That's not too bad. So, Alejandro, we'll, we'll kind of back through and let's regress. We've talked about our two thousand and six memories yes. of that Champions League final. Was your memory of the two thousand and nine two nil final over Manchester United that almost sparked a rivalry? Yes, I remember that was such a hard game, especially in the first. 15 minutes. I remember Valdez saving uh, a couple of chances with Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo. And that was such an even game that maybe if we don't score that first goal, the very first goal that with Samuel Eto'o in a very individual play because he was by himself in the right side of the box. I think I think that, that, that that's the type of game that you, you probably see going to, to extra time, right? Because it was mm. so like so even. 
And even the second goal was kind of weird. When, like, can you name another time when Xavi crossed the ball for Messi to head it into yeah. the net? No, I don't think that happened. <laughs> I mean, just, it was such a weird play. And the, the way that Messi just, like, diagonally headed the ball, mm-hmm. I don't know, it was so weird. But it, yeah. was, it was a very even, very even final. So that's, yeah. that's what I remember. And I remember Cristiano Ronaldo crying too. That's a, that's a good moment. Oh, uh, that's my favorite part of this whole thing. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. I can't think of it many times that Xavi played that ball, the weight of the ball and the placement, right? He put it between, uh, well, he put it behind Rio Ferdinand. And I don't know who the, the uh, right back who, was for. Oh, well, who? no, the right back, I think it was Fabio. But the uh, Fabio, uh, yeah, the central defender was Vidic, I think. Vidic, yeah, and, but yeah, the placement was, and his head, Messi's head is completely diagonal. It, the way in that he heads it, kind of <laughs> looks like he's hurt himself, and he, you know, he falls down, and his boot comes off, and we remember him famously, you know, running around the touchline with his boot in his hand, and Henri comes up and and hugs him. Let's talk about the 2011 final. What's your fondest memory of that match? Well, I think that's that's probably the best match of this Barcelona team because that day mm-hmm. they were so superior to to Manchester United. It wasn't even close. Like the only time Manchester shot on goal was that that goal that Rooney scored, but mm-hmm. it, the rest of it, it was just it was poetry that day, right? Like it was just small guys just passing the ball around and doing what what they do best and it was just it could have been 5-1 6-1 and it would have been fine it's just i'm glad they scored the goals because if if you watch the goals maybe maybe the first one was a, a collective because it was a pass from Xavi to to Pedrito but then mm-hmm. the second one is just Messi getting the ball and you know what here it is your second goal mm-hmm. the third one is just a, a ball that Messi is, is bringing to the to the box and then it just if if well, it it just gets to David Villa. He just stops it, and the and it's a so the two the latest the two latest goals were just individual plays, and and we're lucky that they did it because that was the type of game that that can get complicated. Even though the, you were the best side by far, so I'm glad they won that game. And it just you have to remember that Avidal moment. I guess it just it's it, it's hard for it not to touch your heart that way. The way that Pujol came back because he he played Pujol came in, in and played the last minutes and then he gave Avila that the opportunity to to lift the trophy and that that was the last chance Pujol had to to lift the trophy and maybe he didn't know that and but he gave it to to Avidal. so that's what I remember and I remember Alex Ferguson just saying you know what they were just the best the best team mm-hmm. pitch yeah absolutely. Uh, he- and the one part I love is Messi retiring Nani, right, to start that final goal. Um, another really interesting thing that I love about this match, you know, we didn't keep a clean sheet, but we dominated defensively. And all three of our front men, uh, Messi, David Villa, and Perrito, all scored in this match. And each midfielder, Xavi Iniesta Busquets had an assist in this match as well. I think it's just great poetry for what Barcelona was playing at that time of total well, domination. You're giving so because the ball came from Busquets, right? The, the goal that Villa scored or or the goal that made. Yeah, yeah. So you're giving that an assist, right? That's like the assist that Busquets gets when Messi scores that goal at Bernabeu, right? Like he just tips the ball to Messi and then Messi goes and dribbles everybody. Nah. Of course. 
<laughs> I think I think Busquets in, in this match was much more strategic, right? He picks up a loose ball and he finds David Villa. Um, same with Iniesta, right? They're they're all hovering around the top of the box and he plays it to Messi and Messi takes one step in and he shoots it. Yeah. With, with the Bernabeu in the in the in the 2011 semifinal, Messi runs about 40 yards, so I wouldn't exactly give it to Busquets <laughs> there, but I, I would give it to to Busquets in this match, absolutely. Okay. Um, and then finally, before we uh, move on, the 2015 Champions League final, what sticks out in your memory of this match? The second treble. Well, it's our last Champions League, right? And that was such a fun team to watch, having Neymar, having Iniesta, Rakitic in his best years. It was just a fun team to watch. And I remember that was that was the... Uh, that game got really complicated too, even though Barca was very superior. But then when when Juventus uh, scored the tying goal, they even had like ten minutes of really dominate, like domination of that game. And mm-hmm. when you rewind and watch that game, you're like, how this, how like how did this, this happen, right? And then I remember Arturo Vidal was there with the other team, <clears throat> playing Correct. in a different in a different role. And that mm-hmm. that Juventus team was very good too. They had. Pogba, I think, back then. And, and then yep, had, Pogba started. Uh, yeah. a very strong side. I remember Morata scoring that goal, and I hated him. I mean, he was coming yeah. from Madrid anyway, and, 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 and that's how... And, and he was the one who kicked Real Madrid out of the semifinals. But it was, it was a mm-hmm. fun, that was a fun game in Berlin. And I, I remember I loved that Barca started winning so early, but then mm-hmm. I, I hated that they didn't score the second goal right away to just play just more carefully. To- and then it just mm-hmm. got complicated until until that play when when Messi came and and shot the ball and Buffon saved it once again and Suarez, Suarez yeah. came and, and kicked the ball in. But it's it's fun mm-hmm. because that's the last fun memory I have with Neymar. Not not the last fun memory, but like the way that mm. he scored the goal and the the game just ended there and they just celebrated yeah. with the fans over there and the, all the photographers are all around them. It was, it was a fun mm-hmm. one. I, I think I, I love that, that memory. I think the only person who doesn't like that memory is PK because he's sitting there begging Neymar. He's screaming down his throat. You know, I'm, I have the seniority here. You play this ball back to me, right? Because PK, we know how he likes to run forward and act like he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's definitely a great memory of how that match ended. And, and you're totally right. That game was wild in, in the first half. It really could have gone either way. I, Barcelona should have put that game to rest. And some can argue that their second and third goal really came not off the run of play, but Messi shoots it, and it's a deflected shot that goes in. Yeah. The next one is Juve pushing everything forward to get a last last second equalizer to force this, force this game into extra time, and then Barca take a... I think it was three on one breakaway, yeah. right? And we all know how that's going to kind of end. So, you know, in terms of dom, I wouldn't say we really dominated that match. I think we dominated the 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 third and fourth minute. Definitely not the first two, right? There's two quick, um, two quick corner kicks that had my heart racing. I couldn't believe that's how the game started with Mastrano just placing a ball out for no reason, right? But. We all know how this all ended, and and we and we bring this up for all you guys to to just kind of remember the good times of of Barca and what's coming down the road. We can't, we don't know for sure when, um, but those moments will return 
We know that that is at the absolute priority of all the players in the squad, definitely our captain and Messi. And and I think that it has to be the board and Kike Setien's goal as well. Alejandro, did we miss anything? Is there anything else for us to to wrap up? No, I think that's that's I mean, that's a very good way to wrap up. Right. Rem- remembering all these fun moments, these fun memories and the last time that we won the Champions League, hopefully. Because that was in the last decade. We need one this decade already. So mm-hmm. let's go and, and win it this year. It's it's gonna be hard. This team is it's I don't know, it's it's not at that level yet. But who knows? I mean yeah. something surprises happening in, in the chat. Yeah. All, all we know if, if history repeats itself, hopefully more, but we are looking forward to two Champions League titles in this decade. Again, hopefully more. We will just have to wait and see. Alejandro, I'm going to sign us off here. So I will say cheers, Kules. Sports Social Podcast Network.